I'm Afshin Ratatsi, and welcome to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the UAE. In today's very special episode, we're joined by the democratically elected 22nd Prime Minister of Pakistan, Imran Khan, overthrown one year ago, ostensibly by the country's National Assembly. Since he was overthrown, he has been shot as well as charged with dozens of crimes from corruption to terrorism, with attempts made to arrest and assassinate him. We must tell you that if you're watching this broadcast on Saturday, this episode was filmed on Wednesday, the 22nd of March 2023. Former Prime Minister and Chair of the Pakistan Tariqa Insaf Party, Imran Khan, joins me now from Lahore, capital of Punjab province in Pakistan. Thank you so much, uh, Imran, for uh, coming on the show. It's been so long since uh, I interviewed you last in, in London uh, when you wanted to be Prime Minister. Since then, you've been overthrown, you've been shot and injured, your family has been targeted. How real are the assassination plots against you right now as we speak? The assassination plots, uh, unfortunately, are real. The, the attempt on me when I was very lucky, I'm lucky to be alive, where I had three bullets in my legs. Uh, I was warning for almost two months before the uh, attempt. I, uh, I gave the exact manner in which they were going to try and assassinate me. And uh, blame it on a religious fanatic. But it was all done by people in power, the prime minister, the interior minister, and one senior intelligence agency guy. They had planned this murder uh, or assassination. And I was lucky to be alive. And unfortunately, they're still in a position of power. And so therefore, even though the investigation had started, but they scuttled the investigation because uh, it was pointing in the direction of a proper conspiracy on the lines which I had predicted. And therefore, they just uh, they sabotaged the investigation. So the threat is real because these people are sitting in power. They are petrified that if I win the elections, they would be in trouble or held accountable. So there have been two attempts since then, which uh, I, I was saved by the Almighty. Just in the nick of time, there are two attempts to bump me off. One was on Saturday. There was a proper attempted, uh, I almost walked into this death trap. And in the nick of time, I got back because they had planned, uh, you know, to kill me there. And then I discovered that they were going to do another uh, action against, I mean, on Wednesday, they were going to do this action where my supporters were there and they were planting people in my supporters who would have fired at the police. And the police in retaliation would have killed my supporters and eventually come after me. So, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult time in Pakistan because we have a government which is adrift. We have a government which cannot uh, the the uh, which cannot cope with the economic situation in the country. Which is we are passing through the worst crisis in our history, the worst governance system in our history. And then we have people who are petrified of elections. So the elections on two main provinces have been announced by the Supreme Court on the 30th of April. They are petrified that their elections, my party will sweep them. Because in all opinion polls, my party is poised to win two-thirds majority in Pakistan. Hence, them wanting to get rid of me. Out of the 37 by-elections in the last few months, my party has swept 30 of them. So, you know, the, the reason you asked me in the beginning, how real is the threat? The threat is real until the elections. 
because they worry that if the elections take place, I come back into power, they would be held accountable. I'll get to the economy uh, in a moment. Is it true that, uh, as PTI leader Fawad Chaudhry says uh, in uh, the Indian papers, actually caught up with the story first, that you are going to be part of multi-party negotiations, agreeing on a process for new elections? And does that make any difference as regards yourself? Because, of course, you're banned from going for these elections by Pakistani authorities. Well, I'm not banned at all. But there are 143 cases against me filed by the government. 143. It must be some world record. Uh, remember, I have been in the public eye for the last 50 years. I'm the most well-known Pakistani in our history. And people know me. I have never broken any law. And suddenly, in the last few months, in trying to remove me from the election race, they have filed 143 cases so far, which start from blasphemy to sedition to terrorism. Most of them are terrorism. Well, supporters in the peace movement in, uh, say, NATO countries say that it was your opposition to drones, uh, things that you've done certainly uh, would have irritated the CIA and Antony Blinken. But uh, uh, what about these gifts that you received from foreign governments when you were PM between 2018 and 2022? What, do you, what about those charges? In 70 years of Pakistan history, the law says that when a head of state or anyone in power, ministers or army generals or anyone, when they receive gifts, then the law says that you pay a certain amount uh, to the state. It used to be 20%. In my time, it was 50%. When you paid 50%, the gifts were yours to do whatever you want. The gifts you did not claim, were auctioned in the, in, in, in the market. So this has been the law for 70 years. I, and I'm waiting for this, this charge. This is an allegation. I'm waiting for this to go to court. You will find out and the people will find out the only head of state, possibly the only head of state who went by the book, who declared everything and who made did everything legal is sitting here. Well, uh, of course, some might say that you appointed people when you were prime minister that uh, I don't know whether you think they were part of a conspiracy. Uh, former spokesperson uh, Nadeem Afzal-Chan, why is he saying things like, I was impressed by uh, Imran Khan's anti-corruption platform, was tired of the status quo, but then saw that while Khan publicly talked about the poor privately, he surrounded himself with wealthy investors. What, what do you make of that? And others uh, that uh, you, you appointed... I mean, you, you appointed people that now criticize you. Look, this guy came from another party, joined me before 2018 elections, and then he lost the elections. And so, as a consolation, I gave him some advisorship. And then he went back to the party, to the party he came from. So when, he, when you go back, what are you going to say? Why, why did you leave your party and now why are you back? What else is he going to say? Oh, I'm really disappointed. I thought this was this. I mean, you know, these are politicians. What are they going to say? Remember, the only government that has been removed in our history and not removed for corruption was my government. When my government was removed, in 17 years, we had the best economic performance. And that's documented in the Economic Survey of Pakistan, an annual report published on the economy published by this government. 
So it has the best economic record in 17 years, and it was not removed on corruption. Obviously, that's uh, been disputed by the opposition. You tweeted on Sunday, fascism is at unprecedented levels under the premiership of your successor, uh, Nawaz Sharif's brother, uh, Shabazz. Um, does that include the ISI uh, boss, Nadim Anjum? Is he a fascist? And what is the role of the military here? Because to have fascism, you need a, a strong military. Are you saying that there are others beside the prime minister, the new prime minister, that are part of fascism in modern-day Pakistan? Never in a democratic government have our fundamental rights of the citizens, our democratic rights, never the freedom of speech, never has it been so much at stake right as right now. I mean, all these rights have disappeared. Pakistan is passing through the worst human right catastrophe in our democratic history. Yes, in some military dictatorships, there was probably similar circumstances. But in General Musharraf's dictatorship, it was liberal compared to what we are going through right now. Well, that's that's obviously quite a quite a statement. Have you had any uh, any contact with U.S. authorities? Because the optics of your overthrow were that you were with Vladimir Putin as the uh, uh, response by Russia to uh, NATO provocation, as Russia saw it, uh, happened in Donbass. And there's been very little support for you from uh, Washington. But on the other hand, you've tempered your initial charges that Washington was uh, the sole uh, conspirator to, of the coup that you allege. When my government was removed, so just to uh, give your viewers exactly what happened, a cipher, which is, uh, which is a correspondence from our ambassador in Washington, with his conversation with the American Undersecretary of State of South Asia. It was a recorded uh, a conversation in terms that it was, there were no takers on both sides. So it was an official meeting. This is Donald Liu, right? Don Anthony yeah, Blinken's Liu. Uh, diplomat. Yeah, so that uh, correspondence, which is called the cipher secret correspondence, arrived at the Foreign Office and at my desk. Now, what did it say? Donald Liu is telling the Pakistani ambassador that if you do not remove Imran Khan, your prime minister, in a vote of no confidence, there will be consequences for Pakistan. The next day, there's a vote of no confidence against me, a government that had the best economic performance in 17 years. But as you know, but as you know now, uh, Shabazz Sharif is saying they have uh, leaked uh, audio of you saying we must use this. I mean, that doesn't necessarily negate the fact that uh, the Biden uh, administration was trying to overthrow you, but uh, it was that true too, the audio recording of you saying we must use this. One can understand you wanting to use it after all. It's a conversation which was taped by the secret agencies and then they doctored it. You know, you know now if you if 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 they tape your conversation, I mean, with with uh, artificial intelligence, you can actually do anything. So they doctored the conversation. But let me just make it. Clear. So it's a fake tape. So so no, well, no, it was doctored. There were some things that were right, but then there were you know you can easily doctor it. But the point is, I made that cipher public. I, and I couldn't, I, of course, that I couldn't publish uh, what was in the, uh, the, the exactly correspondence because it's a secret code. 
But we put that cipher in front of our uh, cabinet, our National Security Council. Pakistan officially demolished the U.S. for interfering in our inter internal affairs. So that's the cipher. But later on, we discovered the, what you were referring to. We discovered that it was our own army chief who was campaigning against me, who was the main architect of conspiring to remove me. You're talking about General Asimunier. No, no, I'm talking about General Bajwa. He's the ex-army chief. Okay. He was conspiring. He was telling the U.S. He had hired a lobbyist called Hussein Akani on our payroll, my government's payroll, who was lobbying against me in Washington, telling the Americans that, look, Imran went to Russia on his own accord and as if the whole uh, foreign office or all the stakeholders were not on board. And that was in the cipher too. And he campaigned that Imran is anti-American and General Bajwa is pro-America. And so therefore, now we discovered that they were poisoned against me because I had a perfect good relationship with the Trump administration. Former Prime Minister, I'll stop you there. More from the 22nd Prime Minister of Pakistan and Chairman of the PTI, Imran Khan, after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with overthrown Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan. As you know, the uh, White House has been denying a lot of stories, not least the Nord Stream uh, destruction story revealed by Seymour Hirsch. But uh, according to your allegations about uh, the fact you were uh, threatened by consequences as uh, appearing in that cipher or code, uh, the Biden spokesperson, uh, Kate Bedingfield, is on the record for saying there is absolutely no truth to that allegation that you made. Well, hardly are they going to say that, you know, we were involved in a regime change in Pakistan. Obviously, they would deny it. But the fact is, the cipher was the official conversation between our ambassador in Washington and Donald Liu. And that was reported to me. And the exact words were that you should get rid of your prime minister in a vote of no confidence. And surprisingly, the next day, there was a vote of no confidence. Well, let's go to the economy then, because you've been talking about the uh, threat to the sovereign debt rating of, of uh, Pakistan. Why do you believe China is not uh, waiting for you to be back in power in Pakistan? Uh, the uh, Assad Majid Khan already been in Beijing, uh, China giving Pakistan $500 million to facilitate, it seems, uh, loans, possible $1.2 billion from uh, the UAE, where I'm talking to you from, and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, why are these countries not reacting uh, more uh, extremely, in, or uh, at least in a way that would suit your political party's position? Look, you see, from what I can gather, I'm, I can only assume this because I have no contact with any of the foreign countries. So I can't say why they're not re uh, reacting, but I can assume that what is happening is that countries outside Pakistan, financial institutions outside Pakistan, and all the businesses within Pakistan have lost faith in this government. And why have they lost faith? Because the economy has been so badly managed that we are passing through the worst economic crisis in our history. So our, our currency has plunged, our growth rate has gone down, our exports, you know, wealth creation, how do you get wealth? by producing, by 
exporting. Well, all you did, well, I, ironically, was to facilitate the IMF loads, surely. I mean, that's why the Prime Minister Shiraz Sharif is saying you're derailing your own IMF program. If you were Prime Minister, would you just go along with facilitating Washington money again? Uh, reports are that the IMF may not be sending the $1.1 billion tranche. You'd probably want that Washington money, would you, rather than a, a more independent Pakistan with relying on BRICS countries? The whole ob object of getting an IMF loan is a bridging loan until you make your structural changes in your economy. That is supposed to be just a bridging loan for you to get on your feet. But you know that's not what the IMF does to no. Global South countries. No, no. I know that's not what the IMF does, but the countries have to take responsibility. Now, what were we trying to do? Now, I'll just give you an example of what we were trying to do. Raise your revenues, so exports, remittances, raise the number of dollars coming in, because IMF only comes in when you have a shortage of dollars, or your current account goes into deficit. So we were trying to raise our revenues and gradually try to squeeze our expenditure. This is what happens when a house goes into debt. Now, what is happening right now is that when your exports go, start going down, when your remittances start going down, in other words, your dollar income goes down, you're in deep trouble because you're just taking loans, but you have no capacity to pay them back. If you, unless you create wealth, how are you going to pay your loans back? This is the crunch we've got stuck in right now. We have all these loans accumulating. We are borrowing money, which is why the other countries are reluctant. But our capacity to pay back is being reduced. So who is in control of Pakistan now? Who is in control of those who want to do you harm? Well, look, this government was brought in by the ex-army chief. Then he was the army chief, General Bajwa. Since then, it's been propped up by the establishment. There are 12 parties coalition which is forming this government, which means no one is in charge. They're all over the place. If the establishment withdrew support from this government, it would go in a day. There's nothing to bind it together. It is just the establishment keeping them together, which is why I'm saying the situation is untenable. At the moment, there is so much political uncertainty. No one trusts the government. The only way forward are free and fair elections. Allow a government government which has public mandate the confidence of the people, that is the government then which can start restructuring the economy, making difficult choices, you know, difficult decisions. And, and only a government with public mandate can get us out of this mess. And many say that you are the most popular politician in uh, Pakistan. You obviously won the majority of the votes in 2018. But you also know the history of assassinations of Pakistani leaders. Are you still refusing personal bodyguards? <laughs> I have, ever since the assassination attempt, when I was extremely lucky to be alive. This young man, when you saw him draw a gun just 20, 30 feet away, feet away from me, had he not just put his hand on the gun, it would have hit, us, hit me on the top body and other people. Because he put his hand on the gun in the last minute, it hit my legs and other people. Plus, there was a, another shooter in the front. So bullets in the legs meant I went down, and then the bullets from the shooter in front went over the head. So since then, I've taken precautions. Now I speak in front of a bulletproof screen, and I am taking precautions because the guys who planned the assassination are all in power. So those who are supposed to defend me 
are the ones I am in the greatest danger from. They, of course, deny that. They say they're uh, protecting you clearly. What? A, how do you explain the silence then? I mean, the the um, your children's uncle is the UK minister for overseas territories, Lord Gold. Now Lord Goldsmith. He, he's been on this show. Why no? Why nothing from him? Look. You know, the problems in Pakistan have to be solved by the people of Pakistan. Uh, hardly am I going to ask other countries, look, help me. No, I was, I was asking, no, I was wondering why they didn't volunteer to, as you know, uh, NATO governments have a lot of talking about different countries in the global south. Uh, they're just not talking about uh, democracy in Pakistan. All I want them, you know, countries abroad to talk about other the greatest violation of human rights taking place right now in our, my country. We actually have the worst form of fascism in this country. Clamp down on media, journalists being put into jail. One of our best investigative journalists, Arshad Sharif, hounded out, killed in Kenya, assassinated. Four of our top journalists have left the country. And Who, who killed Arshad Sharif? Do you believe it was uh, Nadim uh, Anjum, the boss of the ISI? Well, I believe it was the same gang that tried to kill me. They would deny that, but you don't have the, the evidence necessarily. Well... This is, this is a top Pakistani journalist killed in Kenya after being in Dubai, of course, for those who don't know him. So, unless you have a proper investigation, how can you find the proofs? And when the investigation was going on in my case, they came and sabotaged all the proofs. This government then just destroyed all the all the evidence that was collected so far has been destroyed. They have destroyed the joint investigating committee. They've just they've just completely made it re redundant. Why? Because they are sitting in power and they know where the investigation was leading. Same as with the journalist Arshad Sharif, his his investigation has already been scuttled. Would you do things differently now? I know Atif Munsif Khan, local PTI leader in Havelian, has been killed. This week, uh, members of your party are being killed. Uh, would you have done things differently as regards the military, the secret services in Pakistan, uh, which you, you after all, led Look, Pakistan? These structures were there under your leadership. Look, look, we have a, in Pakistan, we have a history. We came, it started off as a security state. We had this big fear of um, neighbors seven times our size, which we had in the first uh, two decades, three wars against them. So, they, you know, we, the country naturally would have a fear that it, it might soon not exist, uh, you know, because the neighbor was so huge. And therefore, it started off as a security state. And then whenever the politicians messed up, the army came in and imposed martial law. So we had three martial laws. Out of the last 60 years, half we've been ruled by the army and roughly half by these two families. So the democratic system still is evolving. It still hasn't evolved properly. Well, and I then we had this war on terror. Let me just complete. We had the war on terror for almost 15 years. And that again threw us more into uh, the uh, a security state where the agencies, the, the intelligence agencies played a huge role. So we are now trying to evolve a system where there's that equilibrium. At the moment, there is no equilibrium. At the moment, in this case of this government, it is almost completely the establishment running the show. Are the nuclear weapons safe? Absolutely. I think if one thing there is a consensus in Pakistan, 
it is our nuclear weapons because you know everyone recognizes that that guarantees our security so there is a consensus across party line every everyone in pakistan believes that we must keep them secure but they're in con but you just said that those elements of the security state have been problematic over recent years and yet they're in control of the nuclear weapons look, look the problems occur between the the, the balance between the military and the civilian relationship, that's where the problem is. It's not as far as the nuclear assets are concerned. There is a consensus in Pakistan that we need to look after them and keep them secure by that because that ensures our security and safety. Well, as your family are attacked, as you're uh, recovering from being shot, as you're under threat of assassination, how is it to view Xi Jinping visiting Moscow and uh, both uh, Putin and Xi heralding almost a new world order, uh, which uh, seems to be very different uh, at first sight to that that we've seen since 1945. I see, you know, great changes taking place. I mean, uh, of course, China and Russia is one because uh, it seems as if the US's policy is just uh, pushing uh, countries into blocks. <clears throat> Uh, nearer to home, <clears throat> China has brought together Iran and Saudi Arabia. I think that's one of the best developments as far as Pakistan is concerned, because Iran is a neighbor and Saudi Arabia is one of our closest friends for years. So them together eases tensions for us. We feel that it's a great uh, step forward. <clears throat> but what I do not want with these blocks developing that countries like us should choose either one side or the other. Because India has, I must admire India's foreign policy. Their idea of non-alignment when there were Cold War, when countries went blocks. India sort of steered its in the, in making itself a country which is non-aligned and, and therefore it, it had relationship with everyone. And that's what I want Pakistan to be. We don't want to be like we were in the Cold War, we were aligned with, uh, with the US. And therefore, we could not uh, have relationship with the entire Central Asian bloc, which was with the, with the Soviet Union. So now I would really like, for, for, from Pakistan's point of view, we, you know, we need to have trade, trade with Iran, trade with Central Asia, right up to Russia, because that's, these are our neighbors and China, of course. And one day, I hope that we have trade with India and we have proper relationship with India once, hopefully, the Kashmir issue is solved. Well, just very, very briefly, if Shebaz uh, Sharif tried to follow those kinds of geopolitical policies, would he be subject to what you allege you were subjected to by the Biden administration? Would he be overthrown if he wanted to be non-aligned? Well, look, problem with Shabazz Sharif and his brother and Asif Zardari is that they have billions of dollars lying outside Pakistan and in Western capitals, properties they've got, they've got offshore accounts. And it's not just Pakistani politicians who stashed money laundered from their countries into Western capitals and offshore accounts. It's the problem with the most of the developing world. And the moment the leadership has money outside this country and the sort of billions of dollars, I'm afraid they can never take independent decisions. They well, cannot have an independent foreign policy for the benefit of their own people. Well, of course, all those politicians deny any wrongdoing. They're all welcome to come on the show. Sure. Former Prime Minister Imran Khan, thank you. 
And that's it for the show. We'll be back on Monday. Meanwhile, you can keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country. And head to our channel, Going Underground TV, on rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you on Monday.